Hello and welcome to Podiatry Practice Mastery. Uh, my name is Don Pelto and I have Mr. Robert White here. Uh, Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Dr. Pelto. It's a delight to be with you. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have a very interesting uh, history. Uh, you kind of a speaker, you're an author of Living an Extraordinary Life. You've done things in other countries. Um, tell me kind of what, what, tell me about a little bit about your background, how you got interested in personal development and entrepreneurship and things like that. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm old enough to have way too long a story and I don't want to take up too much of the podcast with my story, but I think significant, uh, turning points were that I, uh, found myself at age 27, with a, a small sales business, I was broke. I was late on paying payroll. I had had uh, three heart attacks and had daily chest pain. I had a failed marriage and felt very guilty about it. And a friend uh, uh, enrolled me into one of the early human potential movement trainings. And uh, <clears throat> I resisted for a long time, but then I went. And it's a, you know, it's a cliche um, to say, but. Uh, it changed my life for the better, those four days. I woke up to how I was getting in the way of my business success and personal success. And uh, that that following year on the business channel, I tripled my income. And uh, the, the year after that, I, it went up 10 times. And yet in that training, there was not one word said about success or, or about money or about making money. It was all mindset. It was all about mindset. It was all about me. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, it sounds like some kind of an Oprah show or something like this. If I do this is that, uh, you know, I did grow up in poverty and I did grow up in uh, significant abuse. And I made some assumptions about myself as a result of that. And they needed to be uh, put aside in service to what I really wanted to create in my life. And that led to that that training experience led to me putting over 400 people into that training because I found out that when people went to the training, my life got better. It wasn't some noble effort <laughs> and I didn't get paid for it. But one day I got a phone call from the founder of that company. It was called Mind Dynamics and uh, Alexander Everett, uh, a Brit who was an immigrant to America. Uh, called me. I didn't even know who he was, introduced himself, said, uh, come out to California and meet me. And 10 days later, I was the president of that company and uh, running the business side of, of a fairly large training organization. And uh, so that got, that got my start in the training industry and in the human potential movement. I, I was there four years. There was a there were ownership issues there because one of the owners died. I ended up working for a probate judge, no fun. Uh, and I uh, launched my my own my first of the three companies that I founded and led with a million three hundred thousand graduates. So that's my main claim to fame, I guess, is is running training companies. And in the last ten years, actually uh, getting up in front of the room with executive audiences and doing some work on uh, uh, transformational experiences. And uh, and I wrote a book about it and all that kind of stuff. But I, I would say in, in introducing myself to your audience, uh, I think there are a lot of trainers, good consultants, good mentors, good executive coaches out there. Um, probably what's a bit different for me is that I've been there and I've done that. I've run a 
240-person professional services firm active in in seven countries with 15 offices. So I've I've done it in addition to uh, working on developing my staff and some of our graduate some of our graduates that I directly touched. Wow. You know, let's uh, kind of. It seems like you you almost opened up the curtain so we can see more about uh, you, Robert. And I, I think that's good. Let's kind of go down and, and see, like in us, when we are stuck. Let's say seeing patients forty hours a week. Many of us hold the hat of owner, founder. Maybe we're not manager. We might have manager. We have staff. Kind of staff issues. How can we get out of our own way? If you know what I mean. You know, you are in your own way. And let's say if we, you know, I find a lot of the progress is very slow. Let's say, you know, I've, I've been here 10, 10, 15 years and we have two offices now. Like, I don't even know if I want to go to the the, the, the multiplying route, but maybe how, how do you get out of your own way? Why are a lot of us in our own way? If you want to talk a little bit about that. You know, they're, they're speaking simply about our methodology, uh, Dr. Pelto, is that we do three things with our clients today. Uh, with my executive clients, my managing partners, owners, people like that. Uh, first is to do some work on completing the past. You know, anybody that's had any level of success, and I'm going to say most of your listeners, you know, you could have you made extra effort for the education, for getting started, for setting up a practice. You know, for, it, it's not easy. Not everybody does that. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for that. In order to do it, what we do is we compartmentalize things that happen to us that we know would be in the way. So an example would be holding on to to blame or shame or regret or guilt or even past success, because all of those things can have a kind of negative energy to them. We don't let them defeat us directly. We do, in fact, compartmentalize them and or stuff them down to use a, a perhaps a more casual way of talking about it and get on with our lives. Yep. Those things are still there. And if we wonder why some of our attitudes, our habits, our, even our behaviors don't match what we know needs to be done, if we look under that into the subconscious mind or into our patterns or however you want to describe it, quite often we find little pieces of of, uh, garbage from the past that we are subconsciously quite often holding on to. So some work needs to be done on letting go of that. Now, I'm not talking about therapy. I'm talking about the normally neurotic, you know, you and me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think everyone during this pandemic, I think we all could use someone to talk to an hour a week. You could call that a therapist, a coach, whatever you want. You know, I just think there's a lot of good in getting getting it out and getting your words out, giving words to what you're feeling. Exactly. And uh, so that's the first step. The second step is an interesting one. You know, I've spent 23 years of my working life abroad. I've lived in in uh, Japan, Hong Kong, and mainland China. And uh, so I'm a little more exposed to the East and Eastern thought and philosophies. And um uh, the second thing that I work with, with with executive clients is to learn to better tell the truth about current reality. You know, if you are working hard and if you say to yourself, this is really what I want to do, and yet your intake of alcohol or drugs or other addictions, shopping, 
whatever. Social media, uh, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. You know, those are signals to you that that uh, you know things are not all right in your world, and so, and you need to take some action, like having a coach, like having reading that book that somebody suggested to you, uh, getting more involved with your faith, whatever it takes for you to get uh, really more present. You know, uh, when I was growing up, there was a famous book called Be Here Now by Alan Watts. Uh, that book, by the way, if you read it today, it still has value. Uh, but getting into the present, what the Buddhists call it is developing a selfless regard for reality. To, you know, we all, especially independent business people, we all live in a story. We have a story about everything, you know, and uh, and it's great. It, it it motivates us. It motivates the people around us. What's also true is you can get so caught up in your story about reality that you start ignoring reality. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so that's the second piece of the work that I do with people. And then finally, if you've done those first two, what you've done is created a space for actually choosing your future. Quite a few of us are uh, doing something in life that uh, we didn't really choose it. It's really an extrapolation of our past, just kind of thrown into the future. And uh, uh, so uh, I work with people on developing a compelling vision and one that uh, is more result oriented. Because ultimately, that's the feedback we all need when we make some kind of change. You know, we need somebody coming to us and saying, hey, you know, you're showing up a lot more powerfully than you have in the past. Or something's different about you, and I really like it. You know, uh, and but the, con the one we can control uh, is the results that we are producing. Uh, and, you know, that comes down to some very practical stuff like numbers of appointments and and uh, depth of work and different things. I, you'd probably be able to give me the right terms for your practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's. Um, I think I think you said something truthful there that we we all get so busy. I think the, the overlying feeling I get when I talk to other podiatrists is that everyone is so they're just humping it. They're so darn busy, and it, it's unfortunate because you, you don't have time to deal with with these things. And so what, what it ends up turning to is potentially would be what go to whatever, whatever leisure they want to do, whatever avoidance they want to do and uh, an unfulfilled life and thinking you always want more. I, I, the, the trigger, I was talking to someone recently and the trigger is well, when someone says, I feel like I should be, be doing like, we have all these should, like I, I should have social media. I should have Instagram. I should have all these things. Well, yeah. whenever you're shouldn't all over the place, it's, it's not a, is that really what you want? Or the same thing with needing, needing versus wanting. I need to do that. Well, do you really, what do you want to do? I think that's much more powerful living that way. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I spoke to over a hundred thousand people during a, a recent six years in Asia in primarily in China. And uh, I found myself quoting two people that I, I was just laughing at myself is because I was quoting my ex-wife that put me through the divorce from hell <laughs> and but she has a great deal of wisdom and uh i was also quoting the late uh stephen covey the author of the seven habits book and of course I, of course i resent him because he sold 25 million copies of that book and i haven't sold that many of mine <laughs> so i understand my own stuff about that but you know stephen covey talks about 
the distinction between the important and the urgent. And what we find in our business life, it seems to me, is we're constantly paying attention to the urgent and ignoring the important. I, I, I strongly, look, I've been remarkably successful at getting married and remarkably terrible at staying married. So giving advice on marriage is really hypocritical, but here goes. Boy, you better have a date night. You better have some things you do with your spouse and do, and they're in your schedule and you don't ever break that agreement. You know, well, it's the same thing for personal growth and for being uh, uh, not in your business, but above your business, looking down on it, looking at what you're really developing here. And I think that has, that happens to have huge impact also on your personal life and on renewal and, and energy. Yeah. But working in your business is a trap. Working on your business. Where is it really? Where do you want it to go? What are some leverage points? You know, that even in a complex system, there's always leverage points, things that where one one unit of effort brings uh, 10 units of results. And that's how I, I think that's how you make decisions on whether or not you should spend more time on Instagram or whatever with social media is to really honestly take some time every week, at least every week, where you just you sit with a with a notepad or, or with a recorder or with whatever works for you in terms of unleashing some creativity. And it might be a, a walk in the woods or it might be running or swimming, but that you spend some time with you every week looking at why am I here? Do I love what I do? And if not, what needs to shift? So I do love what I do. Uh, and what's going to bring me the life, the family, the the financial success, the, the acclaim, if that's what you're up to, uh, you know, if you want to be the most famous podiatrist in uh, uh, Dubuque, um, you can do that, but it's a choice. And that choice is only going to come with some clarity of mind. And that means taking the time to do that, as Covey says, to take a look at what's important versus what is urgent. Because yeah. boy, that urgent is always going to be there. Yeah, those are, that's some great points. It reminds me of uh, Gerber about the e-myth working kind of on the business versus in it and other people that have sold more books than we have. And <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you, in your experience, when you do a talk, let's say you can do a, a, a talk or a workshop, like the actual transformative nature of that I, I find is, is limited. I get excited. I go to a workshop, let's say, and I, and I, I listen, I get so excited. I have like no, no, no pages and no pages of ideas, but translating that to actual positive shifts in life is, is a, ch a challenge for me. And I consider myself kind of disciplined. Do you have any good, good, good like habits? Like one of them would be journaling once a week or different types of habits for maintaining change in your life. Um, that people can do on their own, and then when they should consider using someone else uh, to help them. Uh, an extremely uh, successful, like wildly successful friend of mine, an entrepreneur, uh, rereads the, the Bible once a year. You know, he reads it every day, every morning. He does a certain number of push-ups every morning. It, it goes on and on like that. He's so disciplined. And I think that's one way if you 
if you lean toward that kind of discipline. My experience is most people do not uh, have that kind of commitment. I and but you know reading there's a huge amount of research that says that if you read one book a week, you're going to be way ahead in terms of success and happiness uh, uh, ahead of other people. But again, that's a discipline that that's called reading almost every day. I, I, my own leaning, speaking of leanings, is toward experiential learning. There's a book that was published here in, I live in a Western suburb of Denver, Colorado, I've got this beautiful view of the mountains out my window here. Um, at least today, we don't have any smoke from California wildfires, which has been uh, our last week. Um, but I, I, um, I think that that this book—it's a terrible book. I don't recommend it. But the title is amazing, and the title is "You Don't." learn to ride a bicycle from a book and you don't learn to ride a bicycle from a video or from a motivational seminar you get on the bike and maybe you get your knees you know if you think back to those days when you learned to ride a bike maybe you fell a few times maybe you scraped your knee maybe you cried maybe you had a coach somebody to kind of help you and get you started get you moving but it's an experience and if you don't ride a bike for 10 years can you still ride a bike? And the answer, of course, is yes. You might be a little shaky at first, but you get on a bike and there's this muscle memory or whatever you want to call it. And uh, you've had that experience. Uh, Dr. Pelto, I, I have graduates from our program from 20 years ago that still send me a list of goals every year in, in late December. I, I've never asked for that. They just do it because they had such a vivid experience. Now, that experience involves taking some personal risks. It, it involves having some clarity about what you want to create in your life and gain or gaining that clarity in, in that kind of a high impact seminar experience. So I think for me, the answer is, are you putting yourself into experiences that stretch you, that interrupt you? that cause you to really take a look at your life? Or are you playing safe? And for most of us, including people that have at least a little success, that tendency to play safe at some point in life is a pretty strong tendency. Yep. It, there's a real pull there to avoid anything that's going to interrupt our picture of ourselves, our, whether you call it self-esteem or self-image. Uh, you know, we do so much work to maintain that, and yet it's letting go of that. The great teachers for thousands of years have told us to, uh, you know, see the awful condition that we're sometimes in and do something about it. That's not new to Robert White, you know. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I, so I think finding those experiences and some of them can come in workshop settings. Some of them can come in sport or in travel. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> I remember being living in Japan, uh, lived in Tokyo, three and a half hours away by train is Osaka, the main commercial city of, of Japan and uh, kind of the Chicago of Japan. And uh, But they have a f great five-star <laughs> hotel there called the Royal. And I was sitting in the lobby waiting for my appointment. 
And uh, it was one of those where there's a settee and then back to back with another settee. And there were five, uh, what I call the blue haired ladies, you know, the American women that travel together uh, with the blue hair. <laughs> and, uh, so I have to admit, I was eavesdropping and listening to their conversation. And they were very exercised about the fact that they could not get a good hamburger. <laughs> they're, in, they're in Osaka, Japan, which is known in Japan for the quality of its cuisine. Again, like Chicago, great food, reasonable prices, widely available. Uh, and they, they were really missing those hamburgers. Uh, yeah, but the point being that travel can be incredible, but not if you're staying at the five-star hotel and with a bunch of people that speak English, you know, I, I have a lot of faults that, including those that my ex-wives will gladly tell you about, but I, I, you know, I, I, I do have a willingness to risk, to jump into new situations and see what I see and experience what I experience and learn what, whatever is there for me. And, yeah. uh, uh, so I think the answer to your question, first of all, a great question, but secondly, that the answer is complex because it's going to be a different for every person. But I often suggest to people is uh, to find out a risk area, find out, find something that caused you to get a little more than a little nervous, but you kind of have that sense like it might be a good thing to do, good to try, uh, whatever your routine is. Uh, break it, you know, do some things differently. Yeah, I know you, you recommended uh, Brene Brown, the uh, the vulnerability. She talks a lot about that. And and it can be anything. I, I know for a lot of people, let's say starting a YouTube channel and being on YouTube like like you did or like others, others do or doing a blog or anything, even just the way that you talk to your patients, what you offer them, the way you treat, you can even do it within, you don't have to go somewhere to do it. But I think doing something you fear every day, reaching out to someone, reaching out to a contact, all those things can be, they're uncomfortable, but they're, they stretch you. And then once you're stretched, it's hard to go back or be, who was it? Someone talked about being in the, in the arena versus just a spectator. You know, a lot of us, it's good for me to, I can critique, you know, Robert White all I want, oh, this and this and this, but he's in the arena doing it. Whereas a lot of us are just like by the side evaluating and not doing anything. A few years ago, I had an implant done. I lost a tooth and had to replace it. I don't recommend the process, by the way, but I like the result. But when I was sitting in the lobby of this uh, oral surgeon, um, and I had never been there before, the, I observed something, which was that a young, a young dentist came out into the lobby because there was an older woman there who was obviously upset. And I, I'm aware that there are a lot of people that really have a lot of fear around dentistry for whatever reason they have it. And I, while I'm sitting there, I, I watched him, first of all, physically, he didn't stand over her and talk with her. He knelt down in front of her chair, you know, like a penitent, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and he took one of her hands in his hands and he started talking with her. And I went, I need that. I need to develop that skill. The empathy. The empathy and then the verbal skills. I mean, his word choice was like out of some kind of a textbook. And and his his caring for her, that empathy thing, yeah. was so amazing and so unusual. 
And I make this point because, you know, this thing, the greatest tool, right? Fabulous tool. I keep, you know, my calendar, my contacts, the weather, uh, you know, uh, an entire world of knowledge is available to me with, with a touch on the screen. But if you're walking into that doctor or dentist's office and picking up your phone right away, you're missing out on learning most of the time. Uh, it's a way we avoid uh, being fully present in our world. And I'm, I'm using that as perhaps a kind of crazy example. But boy, there's a lot of learning out there if you wake up. But we get, in, we get into some fairly fixed attitudes, habits, and behaviors, and those need to be interrupted. So find somebody that'll help you interrupt them. And that might be a coach. It might be your local minister or priest. It might be a good friend who knows your purpose, your vision, your values, and is willing to confront you when you're off, off, uh, off track. That's great. That's great. Well, Robert, uh, thank you for, for all these things. I know I'm going to put a little link underneath here about your, your weekly report that you have if people want to sign up for that and your, your book to your link on Amazon. And uh, what, what's the website where people can learn more about you? TheRobertWhite.com. TheRobertWhite.com. Yeah, that, my weekly email has thousands and thousands of, of readers and, and people find it valuable. It's called an extraordinary minute because it's it's designed to be read in one minute or less. Uh, so a little little weekly pick me up, something like that. Uh, the book uh, has been a, a delight, a surprise. Even yeah. if I, I avoided it for twenty years, but now it's a bestseller and people like it. They don't like it as much as Stephen Covey's book, but <laughs> not that I have any energy on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank and, you so much uh, for your time. I appreciate it, Robert. It's my great pleasure. And, uh, you know, to your listeners, reach out. Let's connect. Maybe we're supposed to do something together. Maybe just learn from each other. <laughs>